Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Fearless Generations with Terry Sayer and Kelly Fox. Hello and welcome to Fearless Generations. 12 Steps to Freedom. Tonight we are talking step number seven, surrender. And we are so happy to have on the call with us tonight um, a special guest coach. But tonight, I mean, uh, first, hello, Terry. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I was waiting for you. I thought maybe you had fallen asleep. No, my computer is goofing up. Oh, <laughs> well, you said you didn't feel good, so I was afraid maybe your headache had taken over. Yeah, I don't feel good, but I am here. <laughs> That's um, good. And That's we're, good. <laughs> yeah, and our special guest host tonight, we are so happy, 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 happy to have is Sylvia McIntosh. Hello, Sylvia. I thought I opened her mic. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yay! Yeah. All right. Hello, Terry. Hello, Kelly. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Very good. Well, Kelly, I want to acknowledge you for being here, even if you're not feeling 100%. That's one of the, I think to me, that's one of the joys of fearless living is we can choose to move through the things that try to stop us. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I apologize for my computer acting up. It has been doing this to me lately. Or just refuses to turn on. Mm. Don't know why. Mm. So hopefully I'll have that back up before the the call is over. Just in case mm-hmm. we have anyone call in. Mm. <laughs> so we are talking surrender this month. And tonight our subject is humbled. And I'm just curious on what are your... What's your definition of humble, and why do you feel like it comes up in surrender? So, um, Sylvia, let's start with you. I was hoping you'd start with Terry so I'd have more time to think. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, that's all right. Humble, humble to me really has to do with a willingness. Um, So humble is willingness to listen, willingness to to be open to other ideas, other points of view, things I haven't thought of yet or things I may never have been exposed to and so perhaps don't understand. So to me this fits in with surrender because surrender has to do with a willingness to let Mm -hmm. go, a willingness to participate without having to fear without having to be in control and without having to know how it's going to turn out or without having to think I know 
how it's going to turn out, but to be willing to just hop on and see where the current takes me. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Terry? Well, I think hum- humility is is a really an interesting characteristic or quality that's, uh, that I think is oftentimes misunderstood. And some people, some people I think equate humble with being, um, I don't know, being quiet and letting things happen to you without being, uh, standing up for yourself. But to me, humble means being teachable and being willing Mm -hmm. to learn and to see things differently. And, it's a willing to me it's a strength that being hum, being humble is a real strength because it's uh it's surrendering the need to control it's surrendering to specific outcomes it's you know it's just surrendering to not having to have control of what's going on but being humble and teachable and willing just as Sylvia said willing to see possibilities and to see things differently and so I I always say humility is being teachable, being willing to yeah. learn, being willing to, to open yourself up to possibilities. And I think that's why it comes into surrender is that it's that that quality of not having to be right and not being tied to a specific outcome but being open and willing to see things differently to see other people's perspectives, and to learn something uh, new, to have a new feeling, a new insight, a new understanding, and surrendering to that possibility and being willing to be open to that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of of uh, being taught, you know, being taught by the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I, I love what you've both said. When I was thinking about it today, I was thinking that, being humble is kind of like um, you know, allowing like someone else to know more than you do, you know, and to not um, to kind of let go of that. Oh well, I can do it myself, right? That you know, willingness to ask for help, willingness to admit that someone else might know more than you or might know a easier way than you, um, and. Also, you know, being, um, I think it's also somewhat of being detached from the outcome, you know, not, mm-hmm. um, you know, not demanding it to come, turn out the way that you want it to, but that um, you're willing to uh, show up, do your part, and and see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I love everything you guys said. Um my computer's back on. Okay. So, (laughs) yay. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I think that, I think that being humble, um, I'm glad you brought that up as kind of like, I feel like some people kind of see it as a a weakness maybe, Um, Terry, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like in the same way that I think people see meekness as kind of a weakness, but I think that they're both, they're both strengths, and I think that it takes courage to be humble, um, courage to ask for help, courage to um, not uh, to n- not to let go of control, and yeah. 
I think, I think you know, I think that those humil- are all really powerful. I think humility and vulnerability are very closely tied together too, because I, I think vulnerability is also seen as a weakness. And I see vulnerability as asking for help, having the courage to ask for help, you know, just like you're saying, having the courage to, um, to recognize strength in others and to ask them to, to share that strength with you and to help you to, to gain that strength for yourself, you know, to see others as, as teachers. And that, I think that goes with humility that you're teachable. You see that others can teach you that you can learn from, you can learn from choices you make. You can learn by asking for help. You can learn by observing. You can learn from, uh, from other people's models and just having that, that desire to learn and to be teachable and to be willing to let go of specific outcomes or control. It, like you said, it take, to me, it really takes a lot of courage and a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-acceptance self-love in order to be humble. Yes. Mm -hmm. I would agree with all of that. Yeah. Sylvia, what do you, what, what tool do you feel that you supports you in surrendering? um, And, um, and maybe just give us kind of, because this is the first time you're on this month. Maybe just give us, you know, what is surrendering to you? How has it benefited you and and what are the tools that you use to um, to support you in in that process? The first tool that I use that I think supports me in the concept of surrendering and and being humbled is the intention statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, my overarching intention statement, the one that I did kind of is over everything. In, in my life in a big way is that I am willing to practice cherishing innocence in myself and others. Mm-hmm. Cherishing innocence to me includes the idea that, first of all, cherishing innocence in other people is that not everything that other people are doing is about me, even if I'm present. And, mm-hmm. and that awareness was somewhat humbling. <laughs> <laughs> when mm-hmm. I first had it, um, that, that people aren't necessarily out to get me, annoy me, uh, get my attention, that, that they're out trying to do their own thing, and my presence may or may not really be on their radar. Then um, in, in support of that, to take that further, I think the next tool would be the four A's tool. And that is where I learned how to take time to, first of all, admit that I have feelings and that I didn't always get to choose them. What I get to choose is whether or not I act on them. But just to allow myself to feel them, to identify them, to sit still with them for a few minutes instead of trying to change, alter, or stop them, to acknowledge that they existed, to allow time for them to process, and then to ask what I was committed to, which takes me back to the intention statement of cherishing innocence in myself and others, and then acting on that commitment. So if I believed I was innocent, how would I treat myself? If I believed the other people were innocent, how would I treat them? And one of the easiest ways for me to remind myself what innocence looks like is to think about a toddler. Um, Mm. 
you have a three or four or five-year-old child, they are starting to behave independently. They are starting to get ideas. They are starting to explore the concept of no <laughs> and mm-hmm. exploring their own their own way of playing, exploring their toys and maybe taking them apart. They're not being destructive. They are exploring. So if a child, if a small child were to do something out of curiosity that to me initially when I look at it seems destructive, how would I want to treat the child? Do I really want to beat that child up, whether it's Mm -hmm. emotionally or physically, or do I want to cherish the child? Do I want the child to understand that they are loved and maybe this shouldn't happen again? And let's take a look at why. But I would want to do it gently, and I would want them to feel loved and protected and that mistakes, I don't even, I'm almost to the point where I don't even like the word mistakes anymore, that when things don't go the way we wanted it's okay, we still get to learn. And maybe that's more important than having it done it right. Mm-hmm. So it would be intentional yeah. for AIDS for me. That That is really interesting to me because today, just today, I took a picture of myself as a four-year-old and put it in my calendar. Ah. Because, I, yeah, just today I did that. So it's so interesting that you said that because I've been um, – counseling a family member that uh, well encouraging and supporting a family member who's in rehab and I told him when we had a a family conference on Sunday I told him because he was talking about all the mistakes he's made in his life and I, I told him I said you need you don't need to but you could choose to see yourself as God sees you which is as a as his child and I said, when you think of yourself as that child, that four-year-old, five-year-old child, you would forgive yourself and you would not beat yourself up. You would see that you were doing the best you could with the knowledge that you had, the circumstances you were in, the environment that was surrounding you. You were doing the best that you could do, and you would love that child. And I, I you know, for me, the real... The real transformation in my life began when I started to love myself and see that that self-acceptance was what was keeping me from loving others authentically. And it Mm -hmm. was because I was willing to see myself as that child of God, you know, that child. And so I thought today, you know what? I just happened to find a picture of myself and some stuff I was cleaning out that my kids had put on the invitation to my surprise birthday party when I turned 60. And they had this little picture of me when I was four years old. And so I cut that little picture out and I put it in my calendar because I'd look at it every day and I thought, this is going to help me to keep that in my mind that uh, that my I'm an innocent, I'm innocent like a little child, you know? So it was so interesting that you said mm-hmm. that because that was exactly something that I I did today to continue surrendering to that concept that I am loved and that if I love mm-hmm. myself, I can more genuinely reach out and love others, which is my overarching mantra is to love my, is to love my, first to love God and then to love my neighbor as I love myself. And until I love myself, I can't really genuinely and authentically love others. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting that you said that because that just really supported me 
in that kind of like insight I had today, and I cut out that little picture and put it on my calendar. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I think it was um, a workshop that Rhonda did maybe four years ago in Scottsdale. Um, it was attached to our coaching retreat, um, and I was supporting that event, so I didn't get to really participate in all of it. But one of the things that I took away was she um, she went through the audience and she asked for people to look in their phones and see if they had a picture of when they were a child or a picture of their child when they were really young or if they are really young. And then she asked them to look at that picture and um, ask them if that that child was bad or um you know, would they beat up that child? Would they talk to that child how they talk to themselves now? And I, um, that really touched me. Um, one of the coaches in the room, she had a picture of her child and it, it really affected her. And so that made me, you know, think even more about um, my child, you know, my children, and how, um, how do I talk to them and how do I talk to myself around them? And um, mm-hmm. how does that affect them? And I made, um, I found a picture of me. I don't know how old I am in it. I think maybe um, four or something, um, four or five. And um, I wrote on it, um, would you, would you um, beat this girl up? Or would you be, would you be mean to this girl or something like that? And it's actually the screensaver on my phone. So every time I go to open my phone, I see it. I see that little girl, and, you know, I have to ask myself, you know, how am I treating her? Um, and I hadn't even uh, I hadn't been, I hadn't even thought of that when I was thinking of our subject tonight, but the fact that you both brought that up, it seems like it's something that maybe is needed um, to be talked about. Mm-hmm. I think we all have, I mean, really, we, we all have, there's the child that we were is still there. I mean, a lot of our childlikeness gets eaten out of us as we grow up and have to sit still and you have to be quiet, you have to do this and do that. And so our innate desire and tendency to just look at things and explore things and run around and sing spontaneously or dance spontaneously because we are happy and because the music moves us. All of that gets sort of beaten out of us and we're supposed to behave in a certain way in society. And one of the things that I was talking about at my Toastmasters Club last week actually was to practice random acts of fun to release this inner child, to cherish this inner child, to challenge the willingness to explore and be open and be ready and be spontaneous. And uh, the other thing, I I don't remember, I came across something online where someone was talking about how the way we parent actually is what causes most learning disorders in our kids because whenever they the, the kids are natural scientists. When they take their toys apart, that's a scientific exploration. Yeah. How did it go together? 
and we need to encourage that. You know, oh, mm-hmm. we took it all apart. Well, that's cool. Now let's see if we can figure out how we put it back together again instead of yelling at them for breaking their toys. Uh, and yeah. the same thing with mud pies and the rest of it. We, as human beings, we are naturally wired to explore and to enjoy and to to respond, and we teach ourselves not to. So I've really been trying to surrender to my childlike instinct to to explore, to go ahead and laugh, to go ahead and sing, to go ahead and dance, to be like a soap bubble and be all colorful and rainbow as and move in random directions. <laughs> That's awesome. I yeah, love that I visual. Your, yeah, I enjoyed your uh, Toastmasters talk. I she had it. For, she sent it to me as a blog to to read, and I just thought that was so much fun. And the people got up and danced with you, right? <laughs> yes, everybody in the club got up and danced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was doing a workshop uh, last week on Friday, and it was about m- a music policy that they were implementing in their in their department. I sang through the whole thing, and they sang, and I I got iTunes on my phone so that I could pull up all these uh, these artists that they'd never heard of, and we had so much fun singing and and just really enjoying the the energy of music. It was, it was great. And they all loved it. And it helped them to develop a policy of include, including all kinds of music and not complaining if it wasn't their genre, but if it wasn't offensive to their spirit, that they would let other people have their, their music as a part of the program as well. You know, it was, it was just so much fun. And so when I read your dancing thing, I thought, that is just like what I did with music. It was so funny. <laughs> you and I are in sync, lady. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, I think um, I did a I did a Facebook Live the other day about filling your cup, and I feel that um, a lot of that was lost. You know, like um, I think as children, we naturally fill our cups back up by doing fun things. Um, you know, it's not. Um, you know, we allow ourselves to take time to read or to color or to run around or to ride our bikes or, you know, to um, play, you know, play with friends or whatnot. And then when we get older, we, we don't have time for those things. Right. And so um, that was kind of part of the challenge, you know, of thinking about what, what used to bring you joy that you don't allow yourself anymore. And how can you, how can you bring that in back into your um, into your, um, your surroundings, you know, in some way and to naturally fill back up your cup, um, so that we can serve from the overflow and not try to give, um, someone else our last drop. Um, so I think that that plays into that too. You know, I love that you said random acts of, um, what did you say again? I forgot already. Random acts of fun. (laughs) Random acts of fun. I love so that. Sim- yeah. Similar um, to the random act of yeah. kindness, only instead of doing it for someone mm-hmm. else, if you are moved by the music, then let yourself move to the music. Go ahead and dance in the checkout line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'll yeah. see other people I love that. start to smile. Yeah, other people will start to smile. And, you know, I think it's our fear of, of rejection or our fear of being seen as different or weird 
that we we stifle those those joyful feelings that we have that that fill our souls you know the music the dancing the whatever whatever it is and adventure you know whatever for janet it's adventure and just you know we stifle it instead because fear of rejection fear of being seen as as different and yet what happens is it's contagious and other people start to join in because it it does fill you up and it does make you have joy to to engage in those in those activities you know that we used to do as children just spontaneously Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that humble that? plays into that, you know, as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, when we're not worried about what people are thinking about us, you know, or what people are going to say or, or whatnot, I think that is being humble, you know, not really caring about what other people are going to say, but really being true to ourselves and true to our purpose. Um, and not letting the dictates of society or, you know, whatnot um, to change how we're going to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say yep, something, Julia? I was just going to say I think it's interesting how much I enjoy the videos of people caught randomly dancing online. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. a video of the, the older lady dancing in the grocery store. And I think it's so much fun. She looks so happy. And yet... I think that when I do it, people are going to think I'm stupid. Well, why would I think I think that I'm stupid? Why would I imagine people think I'm stupid when I look at that and I admire it? Right. Why yeah. Why would it be different yeah. for me? Yeah. 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 It's a great awareness to have, huh? Mhm. Yeah. Release yeah. the joy and well, give permission to everyone around you to release the joy, like Carrie just said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, we you, have just over a minute like left. Yeah, at first you feel what, really funny doing that. Well, at first you feel really funny because when I was doing that workshop and I'd start singing, uh, I had them choose a, a singing group that they resonated with, and that was how I started the thing. And so one of them chose the Beatles. One group chose the Beatles, and I just went over there and I started singing Beatles songs because I know all the words, and pretty soon they were all singing and moving, and then every other group was looking up the songs that their group had sung on their iPhones. I mean, that's one of the cool things about having a smartphone. You can have music in your hand in a second. And it just turned into this really fun uh, where people were spontaneously just singing or moving or, you know, whatever, and it was just, it was so much fun. And, uh, uh-huh. again, you would, you could have been afraid to do that or you could just have the courage to be be teachable and and that's what I think of humility and just go for it you know be present like Sylvia said just be present in the moment and go for it you know that's that's being humble that's having the courage and Mm -hmm. the willingness to take the opportunity yeah yeah well thank you so much Sylvia for being on the call with us tonight we love 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 always having you and we are so um, honored that you uh, come on our show so often so thank you so much thank you for having me yeah 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 Um, and we thank all of you for coming back and listening each week we hope that you are getting a better understanding of surrender and how it can support you in your journey and until next time, everyone, be fearless. Be fearless. <laughs> Good night. Good night.